0: Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. It is over. The 2021-2022 Brooklyn Nets are out in the first round via a sweep from the Boston Celtics, who they beat in five games last year. Shows you how much uh, difference a year can make. But anyway... Disappointing. Um, I didn't really expect to win tonight, although the Nets were favored somehow. I still don't get why they were favored in any of these home games because the Celtics were outplaying them by what seemed like a lot. The score, the final scores weren't that like bad, but it just seemed like the Celtics always outplayed us. Anyway. We're going to talk about tonight's game, we'll talk about the Nets going forward, some Ben Simmons stuff came out that's not too exciting or encouraging as a Nets fan, but anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the video, leave a like, always helps out, and let's get into it. So the final score tonight was 116-112 Boston, and it just felt like, this game felt like the rest of the series, if that makes any sense, A, a game where... The Nets looked very flat at times offensively, defensively, especially just so many bad rotations, leaving guys open, second chance points, the, the usual Nets stuff on defense. But the frustrating part was the Nets would go on these little runs of 6 0 run, 7 0 run, or something along those lines. And they cut it to four, three, five. And the Celtics always, and I mean always responded with a Grant Williams three-pointer. Jason Tatum would do a step back three or Al Horford corner three. Every time the Nets made a run and you're thinking, all right, we're coming back. They finally cut it to a single possession or you know, down by four, down by five, the Celtics had every single answer. And credit to them, of course. You know, I hate to sit here and give Boston a lot of credit, but They outplayed the Nets the entire series. The Nets tried to get by just on talent. That was not enough. Boston is a much, much better coached team. Boston's stars, if you want to call Jalen Brown a star, go ahead. But Brown and Tatum specifically outplayed Durant and Kyrie throughout the entire series. So, you know, coming into this series... People kept saying, oh, Boston has more continuity and all that. They're playing much better defense, as we know. They're better coached." but the Nets have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But those guys really only showed up twice total, Kyrie in game one and Kevin Durant here in game four. That's two out of eight opportunities, basically, where those guys showed up. So it just wasn't enough, and we did not get a game where Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went off at the same time. We still, as Nets fans, have not seen that this year, which is crazy. Those two just cannot go off in the same game. And, um, you know, people had that um, when they talked about this series, the interpretation was, well, in order for the Nets to win, Kyrie and KD just have to go off is what people would say. And that wasn't necessarily true. You look at the margin of defeat in this series. The Nets lost by like less than seven points every game this series. Like this was a close series. Yes, it's a sweep. I get all that. All Like all that matters is the final result. A loss is a loss. You lose four games in a row, you got swept. It doesn't matter if you lost by 25 plus every game or you lost by less than seven. But what I'm saying is this was a close series regardless of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant Not playing well together for two games and individually for game one and game four. So... Despite those guys not playing well together, they still put up a fight, which I guess kind of leaves me encouraged as a Nets fan. It's tough to see the uh, the bright light here in any, any any sort of situation coming off a sweep in a, in a season where you were coming in as finals favorites, but still, I mean, to at least make this series this close and the Nets to have a, I think, a very bad coach in Steve Nash who really gives them no advantage that's something to look forward to and I tweeted before this game even started today call me a bad bad fan for it maybe you can say that but I really said I don't care about the outcome of the game I just wanted to see KD play very well and we got that we got a Kevin Durant he was 13 of 31 not very efficient but still dropped 39 he had seven rebounds nine assists he had some very nice passes in this game yes had some bad turnovers he had a couple in the first quarter Um, He had the one brutal turnover, which was a situation where the Nets were trying to make a comeback sometime in the second quarter, and KD basically got caught in the air and threw a pass to Jason Tatum, who intercepted it, and then I think the Celtics went down and made a a, a three-pointer, probably, because that's that's pretty much what happened every time the Nets made a run in this game. So, you know, Kevin Durant, for the most part, though, he played well. Um, Were there some moments of questionable effort on his part, especially that last play? I mean, yes, but... At the same time, I mean, to, it's tough when you're down three zero. It's it's tough to have uh, heart at every single possession. The guy played forty seven minutes. I know some people are criticizing KD for that final defensive possession, but I mean, you know, it is it is what it is. You know, they were not coming back in this series. It would have been great to take one. I mean, I, I found myself watching that game in the final two minutes, really wanting to win because you're already there and it's a one point game, and so many big plays were happening, but. It just wasn't meant to be. So it's a shame. Kyrie Irving um played forty five minutes. He played a good amount himself, only thirteen shots. And with Kyrie, he did what he had to do in game one, came out and scored 39 points. He was making ridiculous shots and was playing with like this amazing energy level and just really wanted to stick it to the Boston crowd. But it felt like in the remaining games of this series, the final three games, that Kyrie just was kind of passive in a way. Um, He had some games he wasn't shooting that well, but I just feel like Kyrie could have done more. And I talked about this last video after the Game 3 reaction, was that Kyrie's the only net that could penetrate against this great Boston defense, and we still didn't see enough of Kyrie penetrating against this Boston defense. There were times he would have, like, Daniel Tice isolated on the the left side by himself, and Kyrie was taking forever to make a move. It's like, just go by him. Like, what are you waiting for? So... People have said, like, Kyrie's quitting or he quit on the Nets this series. I don't see it that way whatsoever, but I get the whole Ramadan thing, no energy. I think Jalen Brown goes through the same thing, so I don't want to make that excuse. But at the same time, it just felt like Kyrie was just kind of not out of it, but just too passive at times. Like, I really wanted him to try and take these games over. We saw how much attention was put on Kevin Durant by the Celtics coaching staff in this series, and. You just felt like Kyrie Irving had some one-on-one matchups. Yes, they were tough against Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum at times, but it's Kyrie Irving. Like We know he can go by anybody, and it just felt like at times he just didn't really... Once again, I don't want to say he didn't want it, but like it just felt like he was passive once again, so I was kind of disappointed by that, but he scored 20 tonight. He had five rebounds. He had five assists. He only had two turnovers, which is fine. Seth Curry was 9 of 13, 5 of 9 from 3, 23 points. I love what I saw out of him tonight. He got in very, very quick foul trouble, though. The first literally five minutes of the game, he had three fouls, so that's not what you want to see. Bruce Brown really did not play much in the second half at all. He was pretty much a non-factor in this game, unfortunately. Blake Griffin I want to talk about. You know, it's This is another thing with Steve Nash, how... He does not play Blake Griffin until, what, the final two minutes of the third quarter in game three when you're down 0-2 already, and I get, like, Drummond was supposed to get the first crack at it because he's been playing more and he's had a better season overall, but... I think as Nets fans, we knew pretty early on that this was not an Andre Drummond series. Like Andre Drummond is great in specific games versus specific teams, but the Boston Celtics were not one of them. If the Nets hypothetically matched up with the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round and not the Boston Celtics, that's an Andre Drummond series. He'd be a great fit against the Milwaukee Bucks. But in this particular matchup against the Boston team, where basically everybody on the floor is really good at moving around, even Al Horford in his old age, he can move around. This was not a good series for Andre Drummond whatsoever. And we saw Drummond start the game and then pretty much did not play after it. I mean he played 4 minutes in this game only and I kind of said that to myself too I when when Drummond left in the first quarter I said to myself we might not see this guy the rest of this game, you know, even the rest of the series honestly. So then they turned to Blake Griffin who I think started in the start of the second quarter I'm pretty sure and Blake did not score but he definitely made an impact. I mean, he was taking charges. He helped get uh, Jason Tatum fouled out of this game with about three, four minutes left, which definitely helps. And Blake was a plus 10. Not many guys were a plus. The only plus on this team was Blake, and then Goran Dragic was a plus six. So, you know, Blake was doing a lot defensively. I mean, yes, I know Blake's not like a first-team all-defense type guy, but the amount of effort he gives, he had some tough rebounds at times as well. I love what I saw out of Blake, and honestly, I would love to have him back next year. I know he's like 32, 33 now, but I just love watching that guy play. The energy he plays with, like we need that, and I would love to have him back next year. I'm sure if Steve Nash returns, I don't think Blake Griffin comes back, but maybe if the Nets get a new uh, head coach and he wants to give Blake Griffin more of a role, then maybe Blake Griffin's back next year, but I I would like to see him back. Nick Claxton, (sighs) just like... You look at one part of the the one aspect of Nick Claxton's game, which was horrendous tonight, and that's the free throw shooting. But outside of that, Nick Claxton, I have to say, was phenomenal out there. He really was. Like, Nick Claxton was 6 of 6. He had 6 rebounds. He had 2 steals. He had 3 blocks. Everything was great out of Nick Claxton. Then you look at the free throw shooting, and my goodness, this was bad. 1 of 11 from the free throw line. Ime Udoka at one point brought in Peyton Pritchard just to purposely foul Claxton and put him on the line. Just I think he went one to two at that point. Yeah, he he made his uh, one and only free throw at that moment. But that was very ugly, and he broke the record for most free throws missed in a row. I think to start out a game in the playoffs, which was held by Shaquille O'Neal. I think he missed like seven or eight in a row, and Nick Claxton broke that record. So not a good record to hold there if you're Nick Claxton, but. In all serious though, Nick Claxton's got to be back next year. I know he's had a very up and down Nets career for the most part. I think he's been here for three years now. So Claxton, when he's healthy, definitely helps this team. Definitely. like He's probably our best center. I mean, I got to say. So he is a guy who's had some injury history, some health history, had that weird illness going on the first part of this year. But Nick Claxton's a guy this team needs going forward. And when you have a guy who's 6'10", 6'11" and can play the perimeter defense that he plays, you don't, you know, you shouldn't lose that. You should keep that and the Nets should look to get Nick Claxton back next year. And people are saying on Twitter he's losing millions of dollars based on this performance, and there there might be some truth to that. I think his contract may take a hit because of the free throw shooting. If Nick Claxton hypothetically went, you know, 10 of 11 at the line tonight and, you know, was a big part of this Nets, it would have been a win if he went 10 of 11 then I'm sure Nick Claxton would have got paid a bit more. So to see him miss all those free throws in a pretty crucial game for uh, in a contract year is not what you want to see from his perspective. Goran Dragic, I feel like he played more in this game because Seth Curry got in quick foul trouble. So Dragic played 24 minutes. He was 4 of 6, 2 of 4 from downtown. He made that bank three-pointer from straight on, which was a big shot in the fourth quarter. He had eight rebounds, four assists. He's a guy that said after the game he wants to play for two or three more years. Now, we do know that the main reason Goran Dragic came to the Nets after he was bought out by who? The Spurs, I think it was. Yeah, the Spurs. Um, Was that Steve Nash was the head coach of this team. We know that they were former teammates back when they were with the Phoenix Suns. So, in the event that Steve Nash is not here next year, does Goran Dragic still want to remain with the Brooklyn Nets? That's a wait and see. I would like to have him back, but... We could run into a situation like Paul Millsap where the guy just completely falls off a cliff and is washed, so you have to watch out for that. He's going to be 36 next year, I believe, so that's the one thing. They have to like watch out for that, and I don't know. I don't know how they're going to determine that or not, but if they want to go younger at the backup point guard position, I get it, but I was a fan of what I saw from Goran, especially in the playoffs. He was really good in the playoffs. Patty Mills, 19 minutes to a six, one of four from downtown. He really didn't do much in this game, unfortunately. Patty Mills, I thought, had a decent series. It really wasn't that bad. Like, he was so bad the second half of the regular season. But Patty Mills, I feel like, did not kill us. He actually helped us in game three. Unfortunately, they lost. They lost every game. But still, um, I feel like Patty Mills wasn't that bad. Um, we touched on everybody, though. We we did not see Lamarcus Aldridge. He did not log a single minute in this series. No more Kessler Edwards, as we know. You know, some people are, are calling for Kessler Edwards. I, I I've seen that on Twitter too. And it's like we saw Kessler Edwards play like eight minutes in this series, and he just did not look prepared for it and ready for it whatsoever. I can't I can't blame the net staff, coaching staff, for not playing um, Kessler Edwards. I would I would have done the same thing. So I can't blame them for that, but. You know, looking at Boston, though, Jason Tatum was amazing. I mean, just an absolute superstar, elite player, I hate saying it because you know he was a he was a Nets pick, as we know, going back to the KG and Pierce trade. Obviously, I don't think the Nets would have taken Tatum, probably not. Knowing the Nets, they would have taken Markel Fultz, I feel like. But um, still, I mean, to see Jason Tatum like just turn into this superstar on a team that I despise, like the Boston Celtics, it's not what you want to see. But I I do respect the man's game. He's he's amazing. Even Jalen Brown, he's been playing so well recently too. So give them credit Grant Williams was looking great hitting his shots it's frustrating Al Horford of course you know he looks like he's 25 years old out there so I mean Boston I th- I think you know they they probably should make it out the east I think they're favorites right now to make it out the east um Boston's kind of running into a similar situation as us last year playing the Bucks in round 2 they do get the bucks without Middleton for the most part. He might be out the whole series, which is obviously like really fortunate for Boston. But we know that Giannis is, is tough to get by, so we'll see what happens there. But that should be a fun series to watch. Unfortunately, it will not be the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I wrote down some notes during this game because I figured I was going to be doing a podcast after the game was over. So let's just go through them real quick. I mean, a lot of it's like Steve Nashlander. So Seth Curry picks up two quick fouls in the first quarter. Steve Nash keeps him in. He picks up his third foul with eight minutes left in the first quarter. So, this annoyed me. So, we see Seth Curry pick up two quick fouls. I thought one of those fouls was BS, by the way. I was not a fan of one of those calls. I forget exactly what happened, but it was just not, a, it just wasn't a foul, in my opinion. Um, so, then Patty Mills comes in. They show Patty Mills coming in on the screen. And I'm like, all right, he's probably taking out Seth Curry. But no, he keeps in Seth Curry. And Seth Curry proceeds to get his third foul in the first five minutes of the game. So I'm like, all right, why bring in Patty Mills and, like, once again, just go very small? And Steve Nash had a four-guard lineup at one point that killed the Nets in the third quarter. Um, Not the first time he's done that. But, like, why bring in Patty Mills when Seth Curry is already in foul trouble? He picks up his third foul because you decide to keep him in. I get it's a do-or-die game. I get all that. But still, it's like you could have sat Seth till the end of the first quarter and at least, like, you know, just prevent him from picking up his third foul. So that was not very smart um I talked about the officiating in the first quarter very questionable officiating there was one sequence that really pissed me off I mean it didn't really piss me off once again I really didn't care about the outcome of this game once again I mean I knew the series was over but there was one sequence where a Nets player got tripped I think it was Goran maybe got tripped and there was no call and then a Celtics player got tripped on literally the next possession and they called a foul on that and I'm like why like why do they get the call and we don't get a call it's like the same thing so that kind of annoyed me I uh, wrote down Claxton, he was 3-for-20 in this series on free throws at one point. I don't know what he finished at, but just being 3-for-20 on free throws in the first place is horrendous. As I mentioned, he's in a contract year, pretty unfortunate time there. The Nets went on a run in the early second quarter, Blake was on the floor. But as as I wrote down, Boston always stops the momentum, Tatum hit a corner three, that's what I wrote down. I mean, yeah, it just, it was so annoying because I, at one point I stopped getting excited when the Nets went on runs because you knew Boston was going to respond every single time. Like, it just, it was great because the Nets were having good offensive possessions. And I thought overall the Nets played with heart tonight. They played with energy. I had a fear that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were just going to be like, F it, we lost anyway. But no, they actually really tried to win this game. And I give the team as a whole a lot of credit. Boston is just a better team, plain and simple. But at the same time, like every time this Nets team made a run, Boston was just like, nope, nope, we're going to stay ahead. Thanks for trying, but we're going to stay ahead. It it was just, it's very annoying. Grant Williams had a, you know, two or three corner threes. There was one to close out the half at the buzzer where Kyrie Irving made a terrible defensive rotation. He overhelps with one guy, leaves Grant Williams wide open in the corner. He proceeds to make a three. So that's just, it's simple stuff like that. Kyrie, in year 10, not doing a simple defensive rotation, you lose this game by four, it came down to the wire, it's simple stuff like that, like these these small plays that it's only one possession, but they go a long way, because as I said, the Nets lose, have lost these games by such a small margin throughout these four games in this series, I mentioned Claxon started the second half, we did not see Drummond in like, you know, basically past the first quarter, Every Nets run to start the third quarter was answered by Boston. I wrote that down again. Rob Williams had an alley oop. Tatum had a couple free throws on a Bruce Brown foul. Uh, I mentioned Bruce Brown really did not do much in this game, did not even play that much, I feel like. How many minutes did he play, Bruce Brown? 20, 24 minutes. All right, so he did play a decent amount, but not much in the second half. Here we go with Nash. Nash goes with a four guard lineup and KD as the five in the late third quarter grant williams proceeds to body seth curry on an inbound play and boston gets a quick two points i mean yeah i can't like specifically blame nash for that play i think the broadcast it was stan van gundy said the same thing that it was seth curry not really paying attention as to why that happened but if like if you're steve nash this this pissed me off about steve nash in this series boston and KD has said this i believe they're a big team outside of Peyton Pritchard, like, everyone on the Celtics is like 6-4 and over. They are a big team, and it annoys me that Steve Nash refuses to play Blake Griffin at the four. He've said, he has said that before, that Blake is a center. I, I'm like, no, he's been a power forward for most of his career. Like, why can't you just try it? And Kevin Durant can never play the three. So, as a Nets fan, Already down 2-0, 3-0 at some points in this series. I'm saying to myself, why can't we try to match size with size? Why can't we put out a lineup of Katie at the 3, like Seth at the 2, Kyrie at the 1, of course, but Katie at the 3, than like Blake at the four and Clax at the five. Like Why couldn't we try that and just see if it worked? You would have enough spacing. I think people respect Blake Griffin shooting enough where you're gonna create some spacing. I think Blake hit a couple threes in game three, so I'm sure the Celtics were looking out for him shooting the ball. And Blake, I feel like, has been a decent enough three-point shooter, not this year, but the past couple years at least, decent enough to gain some respect. So I don't think the spacing would be that much of an issue, especially with Seth Curry on the floor with Katie who can shoot, Kyrie, who can shoot. So I feel like a lineup like that could have worked, but of course Steve Nash, and I don't know if it's just Nash or the entire coaching staff, I don't know if it comes down from Sean Marks, I have no idea, but they were so stubborn about playing Blake at the four and playing KD at the three, they just did not want to go that route, and it was very annoying, so they decided to put KD at the five, go with four guards, and it just it did not help them whatsoever in that third, late third quarter. So I asked myself this question. And I kind of want to ask you guys as well, what if the center rotation for the entire series, and this is kind of a dumb question, or it's, it's kind of a dumb question because it, once again, it's not like Drummond was going to be benched this series the entire time. Like he was going to play in game one, regardless. That's pretty much how he was going to get the first crack, as I said. But what if the series rotation at center had been Claxton and Blake Griffin? Like what would be the difference in this series? I mentioned how close these losses were. Could it be 2-2 right now? I think it'd probably be 3-1 still, but like, if you played Blake instead of Drummond, and Blake was so much more effective than, uh, than Drummond, it could have been a different outcome, and I'm not saying we would have won the series, I think the Nets were just kind of cooked from the start, after game one especially, their entire confidence and spirit was brought down, so I'm not saying it would have changed like the outcome of the series, I'm still saying the Celtics would have won this in five or six games probably, but... I do feel this this could have been a different outcome if Blake Griffin was playing Drummond's minutes and, you know, we played Klaxon a bit more, so it is what it is. Um, Celtics lose a challenge on the Tatum charge, then Katie—all right, so here we go. So the Nets get Tatum in foul trouble, gets his fifth foul, Blake Griffin gets a charge, great play by him the Celtics challenge it to kind of take that foul away from Tatum, they lose the challenge, and Nets get the ball down like five points, it's like the mid-fourth quarter now, maybe like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they're gaining momentum, but once again, Kevin Durant puts an elbow into Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart kind of, I don't want to say flops, but definitely plays it off as much more than it actually was, and the Nets turn the ball over, so it's like once again every time the Celtics gave the Nets a gift which is very rare in this series but even when they did they challenged the call it was unsuccessful the Nets just give it right back on a bad turnover and just kind of a careless play by Kevin Durant I mentioned drajic he banks a three to make it 102.99 then Jalen Brown answers with an and one jumper he was fouled by Kyrie I remember he basically pulled up around the foul line knocked down and and one, So it's just, once again, a frustrating game. I think the Nets Nets cut it to like a one-point game at one point, right? I'm pretty sure. I don't know. It was 109-108 Boston with 128 left. I think KD made that ridiculous shot going to his left. It was kind of like a floater. It was a really nice shot. KD had some awesome shots in this game, but yeah, after that, it was pretty much done with. So yeah, we'll never know what could have been if some rotations were different. And I hate myself for saying this, but it's true. I think James Johnson, as bad as he was at some points, he could have made a difference in this series. This was a perfect series for him. I said this to my Celtics friend the other day. And he was like, yeah, you're kind of right, actually. Like, he, he might have made a difference. And I'm not saying James Johnson was great at a specific thing. He wasn't really good at anything. But he was a decent enough ball handler. Could have taken some of the pressure off KD. He, at some points, was a decent defender. At some points, was a decent finisher. And he definitely would have made more of an impact than Kessler Edwards, who was not ready for the moment. So... You know, once again, I'm not saying James Johnson would have made a big difference in this series, but maybe the Nets actually win a game if he was still here. I don't know. But, you know, just a lot of uh, what ifs and and all that. What could have been with this Brooklyn Nets team? So we'll talk more about the whole season going forward in the next week or so whenever I feel like making a video about it. We got the NFL draft coming up as a distraction, which is nice. Um, So Ben Simmons, we got some news from, I think, Woj today basically saying that Ben Simmons and his agent were meeting with Sean Marks to talk about the future with the Nets and now they're talking about Ben Simmons has some mental hurdles and physical hurdles to get over in order to play for the Nets next year and it wasn't a surprise whatsoever that they held out Ben Simmons for game four I really like I don't blame them whatsoever I still wanted to see him play because like it's it's already been a few months of Ben Simmons being a Nets and We've only seen him in street clothes, which is annoying. So part of me wanted to see him play, but the logical part of me was like, no, it makes no sense whatsoever. So they hold him out, but I I still don't get why he couldn't play in Game 3. You know, that still bothers me. I question whether he actually woke up with back soreness on... Uh, Sunday, or if it was just kind of like we're down 3-0, so why even like risk it? So I don't know what the truth is with uh, Ben Simmons, but it's honestly it's starting to piss me off. It really is. Like I, I've had a lot of patience with Ben Simmons. I've been very understanding about everything so far, but it's reached a point now where I really do believe, I genuinely believe, if Ben Simmons played in this series, it could have been a, a much different outcome. Like I'm, I'm not saying once again they would have won, but Jason Tatum at so many points in this series did whatever the hell he wanted and the one guy on the Nets roster that could have at least done something to help stop Tatum was Ben Simmons. Nick Claxton does a pretty good job at times but sometimes he does not look so great but Ben Simmons at least would have had the best chance to stop Jason Tatum or at least contain him in a way. So if they had Ben Simmons and had that 6'10 body and was able to go in transition with him and... Have him create open three-point looks for Seth Curry and Patty Mills and Kyrie and KD. It, w- it would have been a different series. I still think the Celtics win it all, but still, it's-, it's not a sweep if Ben Simmons is playing and healthy. It's just a shame what happened. You know, Ben was supposed to come back like three or four different times this year. It just never happened, so... Um, I just hope they get him right for next year, and I don't know if he'll 100% be in Nets next year. The Nets might be fed up with him already and, and try to trade him to somebody, but if you're another team out there, why would you even want Ben Simmons? It just seems like a massive headache that nobody wants to deal with, so... As a Nets fan, I'm hoping he's back next year and and healthy and ready to go mentally. Um, I I try to take the mental health stuff seriously. I get it. It's definitely something that should be taken seriously. But at the same time, as a Nets fan, I selfishly want to see him playing. So um, hopefully we get him back next year. I do think he'd be a good fit for this team. I really do. Like, he brings something to the table that this Nets team needs. And Ben Simmons... And Ben Simmons is a good basketball player. Like, we have a very bad lasting memory of him uh, in in the Hawks series last year. But Ben Simmons is a good basketball player, and he would have helped a lot this series. So, it's unfortunate, and it just seems like more crap is coming out every day about Ben and how the Nets were very frustrated with the entire situation with him this year, the last couple weeks. But um, it didn't matter because they got swept anyway. So, really, I was hoping he'd be able to play in Game 1. Then I was hoping for Game 2. Then I was hoping for Game 3. And then once he did not suit up in game three, it was kind of just like, whatever. And Ben Simmons actually was not on the bench tonight. He missed the game because of back soreness. I don't know how, not even missed the game, missed sitting on the bench because of back soreness. I don't know, once again, I don't know how serious this is. I I don't know if it, like, I think Ben's actually injured. I'm not saying he's not, but you wonder how severe the back injury is, I think is the way I should word it. Because, you know, everyone's back hurts at some point, right? We get that, but like, most guys are going to play through it in the playoffs. So you kind of wonder like how bad is this situation? I guess throwing Ben Simmons into his first game action in a playoff game was going to be a bad idea in the first place. So there was a plan to get him back in the second to last regular season game when they played, I'm trying to think who they played, maybe the Cavs or the Knicks, something like that. But um, there was a plan to bring him back in the regular season. That never happened, of course. And you know, there were a few times I really thought he was coming back, and then it just never happens. So we got to wait till uh, till next October, probably. So we'll find out what happens. But I do think, if healthy, Ben Simmons will be a very productive Brooklyn Nets, and hopefully Kyle Corver can help fix that jump shot a bit. Not saying he'll turn him into a three-point shooter, but at least a respectful mid-range shooter is the hope. But yeah, I mean, just to pretty much wrap it up, this is a big offseason for Brooklyn. It really is. Like, they have had... A very weird just trajectory as a franchise the past few years, going from D'Angelo Russell being the franchise player and, you know, sprinkling in like Jared Allen and Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis Levert, those type of guys, and Joe Harris, and going from like that to like mega superstars with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, eventually James Harden. And kind of what we have now it's just it just feels weird and I I just I still hope Steve Nash is fired you know some report came out today that Steve Nash is going to be safe and that management doesn't think it's his fault and they don't want him to be a fallback guy but at the same time Steve Nash is not a good head coach like I said the same exact thing about Joe Judge with the Giants like four months ago it wasn't Joe Judge's fault that the Giants sucked this year but you can tell Joe Judge was not a good head coach and was losing the locker room and I kind of question the same thing with Steve Nash. Do guys even want to play for Steve Nash anymore? Do they take him seriously? Do the Nets players see how much better Yudoka is compared to Nash and like take that guy seriously? Like Once again, I said this last video, I'm sure certain players, the superstars especially, like Kyrie and KD, love Nash because they probably walk all over him. But once again, what does Steve Nash bring to the table strategically to help them in games for the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know if it's anything. Like I, I just think Steve Nash was brought here... To handle personalities, and it worked out. Steve Nash was good at it. Steve Nash was put in a tough situation with the Kyrie vaccination questions, the James Harden situation, and he had to deal with a lot of crap this year from the media. So I give Steve Nash credit from that standpoint. He's a very nice guy, but just not cut out to be a head coach right now, especially in this situation for a team that has championship aspirations like the Brooklyn Nets. So. I want, to, I want to see a new head coach next year. I don't know who it's going to be, but we're going to find out eventually what's going to happen there, hopefully in the next couple of days. We see that Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets, quote-unquote, mutually agree to part ways. So we'll see what happens there. But anyway, congrats to, uh, to Boston fans out there. As I always say, I have a few Boston fans in my life, and I got to hear it from them now. So that's a shame. But um, yeah, it's just a very disappointing season overall. I think, you know, part of me is just happy it's over. Part of me is still sad, but part of me is happy it's over because it's it's been such a frustrating one. Like I just I honestly think like the 12 and 70 Nets team was like more enjoyable than this because there were no expectations back then. Like coming into this year, I had such high expectations to at least like get far in the playoffs and at least make the Eastern Conference finals, but to be swept in the first round is not really what I envisioned. So it was tough. You know, your third best player was out in Ben Simmons. Your fifth best player, in my opinion, was out in Joe Harris. And we'll see about Joe Harris. That's another guy. Like, there's no guarantee he's back next year either. So there's a lot of questions the Nets have to answer this offseason. I'll make videos about the offseason coming up and what I want to see them do and who's uh, in a contract year. We know Bruce Brown has a contract uh, extension due possibly as well. He's in a contract year. So we'll find out what happens. A lot has to happen here. It's a pivotal offseason the Nets need some things like some vocal leaders, they need some wing players, guys that can play defense, and, you know, maybe some other guys that should not be on this team next year, like an Andre Drummond, maybe Patty Mills does not make sense for this team going forward, we'll see, but we'll find out what happens there, and is Sean Marks even back? We'll see, I, I, I want to keep Sean Marks, I think he's done so much for this team, I'll admit that Marks had a bit of a flawed plan this year in terms of building this team because there were just way too many guards and it just was it did not make sense from a roster building standpoint but um sean marks in my opinion is still a good gm and i want to see what he can do and i'm tired of like having kevin durant and kyrie irving have input like i just want to see sean marks do his thing because before they got here Sean Marks was not missing. Like, before Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got here, the only bad move Sean Marks ever made was, like, trading for Alan Crabb, who had a bad contract that, ironically, he... You know, it's funny because I think Sean Marks gave Alan Crabb that contract, and Portland matched it, and then they traded for Alan Crabb a year later. So it was Shaun Marks' contract to begin with. But outside of that, Sean Marks did not really make a bad move as the next GM. He had so many more hits than misses. But then once the big personalities came in with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that's when the questionable um, decision-making happened with Sean Marks. So I hope Sean Marks just kind of does his own thing, doesn't care what Durant has to say, doesn't care what Kyrie has to say, and just does his thing. And I really hope that's what happens. So They got to re-sign Kyrie. That's something that has to happen. I'm sure some Nets fans want to see him go, but I just do not see a scenario where Kyrie Irving is not a Brooklyn Net next year. I feel like for Kyrie, it's either he retires or he's with uh, with the Nets next year, and I don't think he's retiring. So I still believe Kyrie will be a Net next year. I'm sure he'll be on some type of, like, max contract or whatever. So we'll see what happens there. Anyway, um, once again, disappointing. It's just when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving for an entire series and get swept, that's bad. And I saw a tweet today about Kevin Durant and Kyrie's careers in the first round, and like they are very good in the first round, so they've never faced this type of adversity before. But in a way, sometimes you have to reach rock bottom before things get better. And I, I had a conversation with my mom yesterday. She's... Not really a Nets fan in particular, but she knows I love the Nets, and she knows kind of a decent amount about sports. So I told her, like, I kind of i am happy this is happening because, A, it probably gets Steve Nash fired, and B, sometimes when you lose this badly, it really opens up people's eyes, and, and things that have to happen do happen. So... You know, that could be a good thing. I have the same mindset with the Giants. You know, when they started losing at the end of the season and, and Joe Judge was on the hot seat, I was happy because I thought Judge was not a good head coach. So I was like, All right, it sucks that my favorite football team's losing, but at least they're gonna make the right moves and they finally did. So with the Nets, it sucks they got swept and it was painful and game one is still gonna haunt me for a while because I still envision Jason Tatum laying in the uh the layup at the buzzer, but Still, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this could end up being the best thing that could have happened for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, we wanted a championship coming into this year. Everything got derailed, whether it was vaccination, uh, you know, mandates, whether it was James Harden not being happy, Durant being injured, Harris being injured, Simmons being injured, you know, Steve Nash turning into a horrendous head coach, all those type of things. So... This wasn't the way it was supposed to go down as a Nets fan and as the Nets organization. This was not supposed to be a seven seed in the first place, but that's just what happened and it is what it is. But hopefully what happened in this series is enough to open people's eyes around the organization and make this team better for next year and hopefully they come back hungry. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, I can tell my voice is still gone from Saturday night, by the way. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Um, I don't know when the next Nets video will be. We'll do a season recap at some point, though, in the next week probably